Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 115 of Dominaria's Judgment. I am not Dom Harvey, uh, because I am not competing in the World Championship. I am Ari Lax, here with Jarvis correspondent, Jarvis U, here to make even more predictions about the tournaments that Dom is playing in, and we are not. I am also not a Worlds competitor, but I will be in Las Vegas starting uh, Wednesday afternoon, I guess, Eastern time. I'm, I'm going there to play some of the events and hang out with people, so it's going to be nice. Well, important question are you playing the big sealed or are you spiking those uh i guess ragavans still in the secret lair showdowns yeah they're still ragavans i think they're still worth quite a bit uh personally i don't really care much about you know just playing for money or whatever i'm playing the big sealed event uh, uh yes well i hope you open uh many Breath powerful triplets? rares yeah i think yeah. Triplets yeah. is the one you you want to open the most <laughs> Uh, yeah, Broommate Dragon 2K23, uh, unbeatable, <laughs> six mana, make a lot of creatures rare. Yeah, that sounds right. about right. I guess, real quick, you have, I believe, played more standard than I have, so you are officially the standard Jarvis correspondent, <laughs> Jarvis. Uh, any sure. quick thoughts on that format before jumping on into discussing, uh, I guess, bets on the format? Uh, I think my thoughts on it will be revealed via the bets, is the best way to put okay. it. <laughs> You, so you don't want to tilt your hand before we uh, make our no, predictions. You're no. going to make me go first on every single one. I got it. I got it. Okay. <laughs> so uh, let's start off with sort of a, a broad prediction about how condensed or broad the metagame is. And I, I want to say, the, you know, yes or no, will any card have more than 12 copies in the top eight? I'm taking yes, and I have a, a particular card in mind from Wilds of Drain. Okay. I was going to take yes, and I have probably a different reason. Uh, okay. Go ahead with your bet. My bet is, well, it's yes, but I specifically think Virtue Persistence is the card that will be heavily played amongst all of the decks. Uh, that would also be my guess for the most likely main deck card, but I also chose yes because I think that uh, the color black is so good in the format that I would bet on Duress being the most played card in the top eight. Well, 12 copies in top... Oh, I guess that's between main deck and sideboard. That's that's also possible, yeah. Uh, also, yeah, Shieldred but... is close there, but I, I think Virtue Persistence is better than Shieldred, which might be a bold claim. Um, I remember you talking about having issues with creatures versus the end. Well, Virtue Persistence doesn't really suffer any of those problems that uh, that the, uh, the like big creatures or big planeswalkers have versus the end. Yeah, it's it is kind of weird. We have not seen a ton of copies of the end, and I, I think that actually just like looking at the sure. deck list, it's because if you look at the decks like the Golgari deck that is all creatures, there's just so many good creatures that it doesn't matter. Like, I think I sort of underestimated how like if you look at it, it's like okay, mm -hmm. well, so they've got you know in the two drop slot they have Dread Knight and Tenacious Underdogs, like those are both pretty good, and then like Glissa and Lord Skitter and Graveyard Trespasser on three. It's like okay, well, mm -hmm. you know. As much as you insult Graveyard Trespasser, that's a lot of, like, pretty similarly powerful three drops. And then, like, mm -hmm. Shouldered on four, but, like, I don't know, the other creatures are perfectly fine with winning the game, as is Restless Cottage. Like, I don't think that there's, like, either your the decks that are, like, more condensed on threats to, like, some point are, like, the Legends decks that are low on, like, good creatures beyond Thalia. But or not Thalia, beyond Rafine, like when you start going into the Thalia branch of things. Mm -hmm. But like even those decks just have easy access to um wedding announcement. So it, it's kind of like an awkward spot for VN to really cut anything out. It just incidentally is just like not the card that's especially needed. 
Yeah, it it would have been kind of easy for it to break a different way, I think, in standard if uh first off I think if if the format was more about just the more expensive things, like the five plus drops, which I, I do think it is in some ways, but people have diversified their threats around the end anyways, just in case. Or maybe there's reasons I don't really quite understand. I'm only like, you know, ten matches deep or whatever. Just I tried a little bit of some decks just to see what the landscape looked like. Do agree with you. I think black is really overpowering and standard. Um, it's a little bit much. I don't really understand why the Golgari deck is Golgari, really. I think the green cards kind of suck, but that's that's a different note, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, they. Uh, I don't know. Mosswood Dread Knight is a hell of a card, but everything sure. else beyond like those in Restless Cottage is definitely sketchy like if you look at the Golgari deck you know just pulling up the stock list it's like those two cards and then there's just yeah. like uh glissa and nisa and like blossoming tortoises like I, I don't really know about these but yeah i kind of kind of agree there um I, we kind of already asked this but like sure uh what what do we think i guess let's start with most common set among the top eight main deck cards um that includes non-basic right. lands and then like if it's a reprint in multiple sets it just counts as both um I'm just gonna guess Wilds of Eldraine. I think yeah. this has just extremely high power. I I also think it's Wilds of Eldraine. Um, I mean the if you're an enemy color deck, the lands matter a lot as well. Uh, we Mossword Dread Knight, Virtue of Persistence. There's just a lot of cards really that are really powerful in the set. Also, like I, there might just be cards we don't even know that are good because you know the world's people have been in the tank. There's a lot. That that's a big set, and really a lot of the good cards from other sets have been either banned or have faded out of existence. Like, I mean, I mean, I bet if Fable were still legal, it would still be the most played card or whatever, you know? Yeah, for sure. I think that there's an argument for like you might be able to pick like one of the like what is the next most powerful set with the most powerful non basic lands and hope that you guess right on like right. oh you know is like the midnight hunt land cycle more prevalent or like the fast lands, but it's just, you know, Wild Double Drain has a good land cycle and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, definitely um, agree with that. And that probably tilts our hand on the next question, which uh, <laughs> via via Liam on the Discord, which is over under 90 total Wild Double Drain cards in top eight. And I think the answer is over by like a huge amount. Yeah. So to, to put in perspective, if we had, if there were 875 card decks in the top eight, let's see, that would be 600 cards uh 875 card yes that's correct so that's not even like that big of a proportion of the top eight like deck wise like 90 I mean, over nine over even 60, if you're yeah. talking just main decks right like yeah. you end up with 480 cards 90 cards of that is like you know do you think that 20 percent of the cards in top eight will be wild little drain that's over representation but like yeah i i would be totally I, fine with that. i also agree with that um i think Maybe the other set, well, it's kind of hard. The other sets, it, the, the real issue I have is I think the other sets have a lot of their power just concentrated in a few cards where Wild of Eldraine just spread out the power in a bunch of places. Um, I might guess Phyrexia all will be one as my other, just like, oh, again, see, yeah. lands are really important. Um, right. And like, there, there's a lot of like random cards that are just like, oh, this is from all will be one. And that's like pretty prevalent and pretty powerful. Um, so that would probably be my backup guess. Mm. I, I think that just like the the real decider there is like you could also say Midnight Hunt 
just based on the land cycles. But um, sure. I, I think the the fast lands are just more prevalent. Yep. Um, and I think we answered of what will be oh, the yeah. most played wild level drain card across yeah. all players. Um, if it, like it's all players, if we can see the breakdown, which I think they usually do, but just top eight otherwise. And this was uh, via Ryan Kerr on Twitter. And I, I think you just have to say uh, virtue of persistence. Yeah. So I was reminded a long time ago, like one of the first big like sanctioned events I did well in was Time Spiral States. Uh, I was playing Orzhov Control. It was it was RGD slash Time Spiral. So my deck had Wait, you played. Hold up, hold up. I just I just want to like we you knew Dragonstorm existed, right? Oh yes, but okay. Just putting that out there. Continue. I mean, uh, I'm going to criticize so... you about your 20 year old deck choices. It's fine. It's 15, but you know, sure. My deck had a Debtor's No in it, and Debtor's No it. I didn't have a Last Gasp, but if I imagine I definitely would have played Last Gasp slash Debtor's No if it had been legal for me, like. That sort of split card is just so insane because it's just good versus everyone virtually, except for maybe like someone who, some maniac who's shown up with like 9,000 counter spells or whatever, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, there are like um, the, yeah, the like Esper control ish decks that yeah. don't really have creatures. But like, I, I think that they're definitely in the minority. Just the creatures are so good. And I think mm-hmm. there's, um, like a little bit of an aspect of like the the breach the multiverse thing going on here where sure. like uh like the most powerful thing to cast when you are ramping is a creature because it's a tali or a traxa um mm-hmm. but the counterpoint is that like the next most powerful thing to cast when ramping is the card that exploits those so like yep. virtue just gives a lot of decks the ability to just have the breach the multiverse without committing to a breach the multiverse assuming also, you just have any other way to get an Atali into yeah so the first time I cast that, I gained two life. I'm like, wait, it's two, not three. It's very weird that the numbers are sort of... It's not Lightning Helix. It's, I don't know, what whatever variant... It's Moment of Craving. Yeah. So, anyways, what, when I saw that card, I was just reminded of that Black-White deck from, I guess, almost 17 years ago by this point. Kind of funny to think about. Yeah. I mean, I think I had Last Gasp and Debtor's Knell in the Solar Flare deck I played previously. Probably gasp in the sideboard for curd apes but yeah sounds all right um, I, I, had, I had a bunch of fates fetters which were pretty good in that matchup but you know same idea that, that card needs to come back again that card i think would still hold up that card's really mm-hmm. good um so next question uh this is i think this is the hard one which is um what will be the most played non-basic land cycle and if you want to specify allied versus enemy for the like midnight hunt bow land you gotta choose one because you can't choose 10 lands against five in every other cycle Huh, that's an interesting question. I'm trying to remember all of the non-basic lands that are legal and standard. There's a lot now. Um, I'm going to go guess Painland, actually. Okay, uh, I'm going to steal the answer that Wandering Winder in our Discord actually asked this question with, uh, which is Triumph. I think that... Um, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I think that the actual cheat, you know, the question was how many triumphs are there going to be? The actual cheat here is that if a ramp deck top eights, there's just like yeah. a billion triumphs. It's just I, so much more than any other land cycle. I, I did play that deck and I was just like, wait, these are still legal? Because I curved a triumph into another triumph and played Leyline Binding on turn two. So it's just, <laughs> yeah. it's, just, it, it's, just, it's just the modern experience minus the fetch lands. I'm just like, oh yeah, I can still do, do this. It's really, really powerful still. Yeah, I guess 
I'm going to skip ahead to another question uh, related to ramp, which is which of the two ramp variants do you think will have the uh, highest finisher? There's the Cascade deck that was all the rage on Magic Online last week. Yeah. And then there's the like normie ramp deck that is like, it has some Bramble familiars, but it's not cascading to them. And it's just like, here are some big cards. I'm putting them on the stack. So I didn't actually get to try that Alara Cascade deck, but I did notice between like two weeks ago and this week, the Alara Cascade deck seems to have disappeared and normal ramp showed up. And I tried the normal ramp deck. I thought it was really good. And I assume that there's just a reason that Alara Cascade disappeared. So my assumption is that the normal ramp deck is better. Yeah, same. I actually, you can point to some of this if you look at the like evolution of Golgari the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And you just start seeing a lot of decks that are just like, here is my Golgari deck, here are some blue lands, and then you look at the sideboard and there's just four disdainful strokes and a gate sure. and a spell. Yeah. So I, I think that people are just like, oh, I have to cast a counter spell. I'm going to do that. And then the the whole premise of the Cascade deck kind of falls apart under like pressure plus counters, whereas a more normal ramp deck has more ability to just play cards that interact and play a different game. I think it's still kind of bad for the normal ramp deck to play against four disdainful stroke plus pressure, if I had to guess. But, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, but you're not like fundamentally colded. Like, again, I'm just like pulling up lists and like there's Chrome Host Seed Shark. Like your opponent is going to disdainful stroke. Like what? Like that doesn't line up well there. Like, that's just also a really good card. Seed Shark plus Leyline Binding is one of the payoffs, I think, for playing a deck like that instead of the Cascade version, which is, you know, once you start making, like, 6-6s for 3 mana plus removing their creatures, the game turns around pretty fast. Yeah, yeah. Seed Shark is just, like, an obscenely powerful card that I think has been slightly underrepresented across basically all formats, but I, I expect to see that build. I mean, I don't know. It's going to take a while, but I expect to see it build up slowly over time. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay. We're going to basically skip this next one, uh, I think, because we've already answered it, unfortunately, uh, which was, you know, via Evan on Twitter, good question. Unfortunately, I think that it's a little skewed, which is uh, most played color in top eight. Three, <laughs> two, one, black. Black. Yeah, it's just, yeah. the blackers are so dumb. It's just, and they all work well together is the other issue. Like, it just builds yeah. itself almost. Like, I... That's why I don't really believe in Golgari, but obviously if Golgari did well, I think it would be on the strength of the black cards, not really the green cards, frankly. I, again, like we said, the Golgari deck is basically mono-black with a green card or two. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. May, maybe, I, I did make a specification of like, you gotta have more four, more than four total cards, which is like, no, just like four disable strokes in the sure. green-black deck, but like, you could make an argument that blue might come close, but it feels like basically every blue deck is also black. Yeah, I mean, we don't live in, like, 17 Demir mid-range uh, standard challenge territory, but, you know, there's, there's like, Demir, Esper, and I guess there's, like, even multiple Other versions Esper. of Esper. There, <laughs> yeah, I Demir, saw, like, Esper. three or four versions of Esper. I clicked on all of them, and they kind of looked similar, but then once you dug into the details, they were relatively different. Yeah, I, I think you added another question later that will kind of get to some of that, sure. but... Let's move on to a different uh, sector of the metagame. Talk about the monocolor decks. And I have a question about which of these two players will have the highest <laughs> finish. The third best mono red finish or the highest mono non-red player? Where, like, I'm allowing, like, a little bit of a splash. Like, if they splash for, like, four cards in the main deck and a total of eight across main sure. and sideboard, I'm not going to dock them points for being, like, mono white with spell pierce. Um, 
So is Azorius Soldiers in the second category or not? I believe Azorius Soldiers has uh, it, more it than has, four blue cards. Because yeah, it has it, it has Harden and it has Zephyr Sentinel. Well, also has Sky Strike Officer, which is one of the better cards in the deck as well. Yes. So I guess I would pick Mono Red then. <laughs> the third I, Red River Salt. I am with you, and this is mostly just complete disrespect to the Mono Blue Unplayable deck. Oh, that deck is heinous. Like, I I, I mean, like, we're talking about, the, like, counter all of their things and play Toyer and Tower, uh, Terror Nonsense, right? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I don't want to, like, throw it out. Like, there are a lot of Canadians playing this event, as we might get to later. <laughs> well, but none of them are... they could all be tricked into Mono Blue. Or maybe they're, <laughs> these are all the people who did not get tricked into Mono Blue, so that's why they're at this event. So there, there are no scammer squats to trick them this time. So. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Um, similar red question. Uh, will the highest placing mono red deck play more Godric or more Swee, or will it be a tie? So I thought about this question for a long time, and I really couldn't figure out the answer. Uh, so I just picked Godric because it doesn't die to cut down, which is not maybe the best answer. <laughs> I think I'm picking Squee because I actually see a world where, like, this might be one of the extremes, but there was this crazy 13-land mono-red deck in one of the challenges where Squee was, like, heavily used as a cyborg grindy card. And I can sure. see a situation where, like, even if Godric and Squee are tied in the main deck, you're probably going to want to sideboard into more copies of Squee. So I'm taking that side, but I think that, like, Godric is probably the absolute better card, and I'm, like, playing the, like, I don't know, trying to pick up 5% after the fact. So the funny thing is I looked at a lot of the red lists and people had a similar indecision. It was almost equally tied in most of the lists. It was like 3-2, three, 3-3, two, three, three, two, two. It was almost exactly like 50-50 down the middle for even the construction. It was never 4-4 four, four because that's just too many no. drops in the red deck. But, too many you know, legends like, too. I think yeah, that that's I, part of it. It's like you're always obligated to cut the sure. fourth copy of one of them to play the first or the other. Yeah, but it was it was pretty close to even, so I wouldn't be surprised if the answer actually turns out to be tie as well. Well, I think that it's like just looking at lists, I think that there's actually like pretty even split of web like even if the net number of copies overall is tied, I think there's enough like noise in either side that it's about a third in sure. each category, is what I kind of yeah. noticed. That's kind of funny to think about, yeah. Okay, uh, moving on to a different color and a different drop on the curve. Which broken four drop will have more copies in the top 16? Shouldred or Wandering Emperor? 16 and not 8. I'm opening up a bit for this one. Sure. I thought about this a lot. I was still going to pick Shouldred, but I think this is actually really close. I agree. I think that I'm going to put some shade on the Golgari deck relative to the control decks and ramp decks and pick Emperor. Mm -hmm. Sure. That, that I, makes sense. Yeah, just, you know, you got to have a point of divergence in these. You know, you can't just keep sure. saying we both agree black is the best. With like, you can't. You know, you got to choose one or the other. Um, I also think that there's like, and one thing I noticed skimming lists is that even if Shouldered is like a three of in all the main decks, there's a lot of spots where uh, Wandering Emperor catches up in sideboarding. That makes sense to me as well. Um, the other thing is the the real reason I picked Shouldered is I just think the like mid rangey not uh Golgari decks also play Shieldred, and there's a lot of those as well. So it kind of felt like there's just a lot of homes for Shieldred and people are not going to move away from the guard. Like by this point everyone knows how powerful the guard is. 
Yes. Yeah, that's true. I Yeah, shoulders is good. I don't know what to say. You're probably going to win this one, but like I have a little bit of hope sometimes. Um you dropped will Thalia be in top 8? Uh this okay. is Thalia guarding the Thraven uh borderline unplayable magic card and I'm still voting yes. I'm also voting yes, but only on the back of Esper Legends. Uh yeah, I think of Esper I, Legends. I agree. So the, this question was for the Death and, Death and Taxes fan, XJ Cloud, who asked me to ask this question. And I'm like, I think the answer is barely yes, but it's kind of close. No, I think the Esper deck is broken. Like, it gets to play a bunch of really broken lands. And, like, these sure. fundamentally... I mean, I'm tipping my hand on the next decision, but, like, I have that as my favorite deck in the format by a large margin. So... It's kind of weird because I think there's like Esper Legends and there's an Esper midrange deck that doesn't have the Legend package in it. And it's very weird to me that both of these exist at the same time. Uh, Yeah, I think this is probably a case of like people building decks and then just like forgetting about Plaza of Heroes being stupid. But Plaza of Heroes is so great. Like it's your City of Brass. So it's, good. it's your Welding Jar. I, I, like it's also a Reflecting Pool. I, I don't know. It's like... It's weird yeah. how strong the card is. This this is one of those like new format patterns. Like I don't know when I've seen this before, but I've seen this exact same thing so many times that I'm just like, we're, we're just playing the Plaza of Heroes deck. It's just not sure. even close. Um, on that note, uh, lumping Esper Midrange and Esper Legends together, which will be the most played archetype? Esper Midrange, Red, Ramp, Golgari, or something completely different. Uh, also lumping the like Demir Midrange variants together here. Sure. And probably like Esper with Azorius control, but like whatever. I think I am going to take Esper midrange because of what you said. Um, actually, that might be better as the winning deck, honestly. But I I think people are going to play too much Golgari for some reason. Um, I think really the competitors and worlds they're probably doing themselves a disservice if they register Golgari. I like my issue with the Golgari deck was. I felt like it could never beat ramp without touching blue, and it was still kind of dicey sometimes. Yeah, I'm also gonna say Esper. I think it's just good. Like I, I you just like look at the list of like black cards are good, but you look at the list of white cards that get added to your deck by playing white. Yeah. It's so good. Like wedding announcement, wandering emperor, Rafine, uh, Skrelve, Like I don't know, they're just all good as opposed to the green cards that are like I don't know, not good. Yeah, it it's funny because. The way I view Esper Legends is I really think it's just like a kind of a broken white weenie deck that's just it just happens that you can cast three colors worth of creatures in what's essentially a mono white deck. I mean, we've seen this before, right? You know, yeah. the the BBD special with Anafenza, but this deck is better because it has broken better lands. I mean yeah. well also the creatures have just been power crept way beyond Anafenza the foremost, you know. Uh I, I don't know. I would take Warden of the First Tree over anything this deck has that costs less sure. than three. I mean, Skrull was close, but like I, I think Warden and what was the good two drop in that deck? Like Fleece Mane and like Rakshaka Death Dealer. Like I think all of those, like everything that costs less than three is clearly worse or clearly worse now, I think. And the ones that cost four more, like I, I think Shieldred versus Seedrino is shockingly close. At least maybe relative to the time period because like I don't know. Like, if Shoulder lives, your opponent dies, but if Seed Rhino lived, they, they also died. <laughs> well, back then, well, yeah, you're right. Like, back then, a Seed Rhino, if it lived, unless if you were playing against exactly, like, Green Devotion, 
basically just killed your opponent super fast. And against yeah, and it was a literal brick. I would, so. I would also argue that like you had Elspeth then, so sure, yeah. <laughs> I don't actually know if Shouldred or Elspeth is a more powerful standard card. Those cards are pretty comparably messed up. Yeah, that, that I agree with you there. <laughs> okay, and uh, I've already put in my answer, but the deck that we expect to win. Yeah, S Esper. I yeah, I think it'll be closer you know, to the. Like, my actual thought on this is I don't think there's going to be a lot of, like, non-creature spells in the main deck. There might be some removal spells, but I don't think the Wedding Announcements or the uh, Wandering Emperors will necessarily be in the main deck for that deck. Uh, so, again, I, like... I think, I think this might be kind of interesting related to a previous question, which was the Thalia question, which is, like... Sure. On one hand, Thalia is bad in the mirror, but it also makes some of... Like, Emperor is good in the mirror unless your opponent has Thalia at which point it's bad so it's like kind of like this weird balancing act there yeah I, I'm also wondering if people are going to go back to playing like Gix's, Gix's commands or weird shit like that because they're kind of like mirror breaker-ish hard to tell like I think a lot of this will revolve around open deck list of course like you can look at your opponent's deck and determine exactly how you want your deck to look like post board you know yeah, yeah, that's very true. I, sideboarding is going to get very... Like, anytime you're talking about open deck lists and disabling yeah. stroke and sideboarding, everything automatically gets weird. It, I, I don't know. Like, it, it really just depends on what level you think your opponent on. But then, like, if they know you're on that level, then, you know, blah, blah, blah. It, it, it just gets, like, it gets really messy. Okay. And then another one on the similar note. Uh, highest win rate among those top four decks of Esper, Red, Ramp, and Golgari. Oh, I'm taking Esper in a heartbeat. I'm gonna take... Hmm. I don't think I want to take Esper. I think that okay. this is going to be a case where, like, the top 15% of Esper players have a really good list, but the mm -hmm. average win rate is just tied down. Um, but, like, it... A lot of the other decks suffer from a similar issue. I agree. I, Golgari suffers that issue even more, I think, because... I yeah, I'm tried, just gonna say Esper. I, I tried like four versions of Golgari. All of them just felt bad. Like I I don't even understand. Like I like changed cards significantly, and it just kind of felt like my deck wasn't even very good. Still, so it was very yeah, weird. Yeah, I mean, I think the problem is is that the ramp win rate is going to get hit even harder by the same thing. So this just becomes a debate yeah. of like whether you think the average mono red player is going to have a higher win rate. And if you didn't pick mono red to win the event, then what are you even doing? with this argument yeah it, it's okay. very unclear cleared up it's ap academic we continue sure. in agreement about the standard format for the most part <laughs> um okay one last bet the team handshake team deck and if they uh, divided teams for a small field we're going with whichever half of the team had nathan sure uh i'm picking esper mid-range for them they're gonna have a very good tuned list is my suspicion yeah, okay. like we had it doing the esper train okay sure. good so everyone loves esper this this is what happened to them at uh, the last standard PT. They knew like everyone was going to play Red Black X, and they just showed up with Red Black X that had the like, well, what was it? Chandra plus Light Up the Night, Fireball you out in the stupid mirrors thing, which are like both functional cards in normal games of Magic, where just like Breach of the Multiverse sometimes isn't. So I kind of feel like sort sort of similar tuning is going to happen for them in this tournament. Yeah, I think there's a lot of room to grab ground in the mirror, specifically because of, sure. like, 
there's a lot of power struggles about like mana advantage and quantity of removal and like breaking play draw asymmetry. Just a lot of spots for the best players to optimize and gain ground. Yeah, definitely agree with you. Um, I guess like there's a small chance that the Canadians bring ramp because I, I kind of feel like the person who top aided the standard PT with ramp was Canadian, but I, I don't know why I think that. I think it was David the person, Orson. The yeah. person who top aided, I mean, didn't, are you talking about like Kane top aiding the standard? No, it was David. Oh, that was reanimator. Yeah, you're thinking, yes, it was David Olsen. You're correct. Yeah. I'm thinking about I distinguishing between like the reanimator ramp, like it's yeah, all in the same ballpark. Okay. Uh leaving constructed and firing back a fan favorite. Will a player get three or more draws? The answers are yes, I have no faith in humanity anymore, or no, please, why? I don't think anyone will. I think someone will get two draws though. Yeah, I think that uh, by getting to Worlds, you have eliminated a lot of the players who could get three draws just by virtue of the fact that if you got three draws, you did not do well enough to get to Worlds. But mm-hmm. also, like, there's less rounds, right? Yeah, there's 14. It's, yeah, yeah. And uh, we were asked a question about, like, how many rounds uh, or, like, the records for top eight. I think that that is a fairly uh, math, like, you, you can kind of just math that out. Yeah, you can. Like, and in fact, in the Watsi, if you look at the Watsi uh, guidelines for the tournament, once someone hits 10 wins, they're removed from the tournament. So the implication is they believe 10 3 or 1, 10 3 and 1 or better would have made top 8. Uh, interestingly, it looks like the math actually says that, yeah, 10 3 1 is a hard lock and 10 4 is uh, on the margin, give or take. Mm-hmm. And, Another sort of interesting question, but like that just sort of turns into math is, do you think eighth and ninth will have the same record? Um, But I think in this case, this sort of implies that they will. I think they will. And it'll just be a tiebreaker race between the 10 fours, essentially. Yeah. I mean, it it looks like if you just do the math of like, I don't know, let's say, I know there's at least two people who are missing, but let's say a couple more people miss. There's going to be between nine and 10 players in that top eight contention slot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, best of luck to everyone to not get ninth place and be the sole sad 10-4 on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, okay, so another, you know, moving into limited, we have, I guess, quick thoughts on this limited format. Big thumbs up. I, it looks really good to me. Uh, it, have you had the same yeah. experience? It's pretty good. I'm still exploring things, which is a good sign. Um, I did yeah. play limited RCQ last week, and I, unfortunately, I did make it to the draft rounds, but I lost round one of top eight. I drafted a Rakdos deck, which I think basically the format is fairly balanced. There's not like a pure color imbalance. I would I, the the one issue I have is I don't understand what a normal Azorius deck is supposed to do. I think it's mostly you only end up in Azorius if you draft some good white cards, and then you happen to draft some good blue cards, and that's the only thing that's open. Yeah, we'll get to that. But I think one of the things that this format does very well is that the the powerful rares are like, they work at like uncommon level, but with the ability to elevate them higher than that by, you know, having strong build around potential. I, I mean, we splinter twin someone in our first draft and it's like a very sure. similar, like Erite, very clearly powerful card, but there's a lot of ways to make it even more powerful by like adding to it. And I think that that's the kind of thing that makes a format really good where you can just like, 
it's not just like all like, okay, well, I first picked this rare and I just win because I played it every single time and it can get better, but like whatever, who cares? Like those formats have existed a lot recently and they're pretty boring. When you can like end up in these spots where it's like, I have a very good rare and I can make it from like a B plus to an A with some work. That, those are the really interesting ones where like you end up with really divergent drafts. Yeah, I think there are a few rares that do do the thing you were describing. I think Gruff Triplets is obviously the one that... Yeah, I mean, Virtue of Loyalty, Virtue of Persistence, Gruff Triplet. Yeah, like, every set's going to have a few of those. They're more common these days, but, like, I don't know. There's a lot of, like, Arcan of the Wild Roses in the set where it's like, oh, like, this card is good, and it's getting better if you try. Um, Okay, so via Wandering Wonder again on Discord, we have Limited Record of the World Champion. Uh. Mm. 605142 or 33 or worse. I'm going to predict 51. It it's just generally a trend that I think it's so hard to make top 8 of the tournament without having at least a 51 record. I think 442 is the bare minimum, more likely 51. And the other issue is I think at that level it's just so hard to have two 30 decks. Like it's just really really hard to you know get two great decks never like get screwed or flooded out of a game, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Five, five, one is also my guess. Uh, doing the, again, going back to the math, I think that the year that Utah XO'd and made, you know, like one worlds after an O three, like smaller fields, uh, like more rounds, like more margin there. But like here, you know, we just talked about the math. Like if you three, three draft, you are like literally yeah. having to XO constructed to win the event. Like I, think mm-hmm. that's a lot tougher in a larger field with a longer tournament. Like, I don't really see that being feasible. I think that 5-1 is just the most common likely result. Yeah, it's also not like the old days. I don't know if you remember this. Like, a lot of the old Pro Tours, people really did show up with not very good decks sometimes, but I think it's a little bit hard to do that. Like, I'm making fun of Golgari, but Golgari's at its core still, like, reasonably built. It's not like, you know brewed up the night before the tournament you know 75 card random pile or whatever which sometimes used to happen at the really old pts or whatever yeah i i don't know i am uh i think that the gap is smaller than you think or at least filtered out faster than you think okay yeah um another run back from last time first pick pack one feature pod one card what rarity? Mythic, rare, uncommon, or common? Rare, but uncommon's close for me. Okay, yeah, we're in the same boat here. I think that... You know, I'm going to take uncommon just because it's 3-1. Sure. Uh, <laughs> I I think that the uh, the other thing impacting this is that I might choose rare if the bonus sheet rares were actually good, but they are. Oh, they're mostly... So it's funny that you bring that up. I think a lot of them... People think they're supposed to do something like did, and my point is, no, they're just there so EDH players can't get more copies of them, <laughs> is the reality. Like, someone cast Nature's Will versus me in did. I'm just like, that card does literal nothing, so congrats. <laughs> That's the one where, like, if your creature hits them, you untap your lands so, or something like that? I, I have played with that one in actual... Well, Jacob Negro and I had discussion about what's a good CEH deck, Nijio, the Blade Blossom plus Nature's Will lets you have infinite combats. That's the one where you play where you pay Wooberg to untap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and also like that's one like when a warrior attacks, make another warrior or something like that. 
So, uh, yeah, I believe that. So okay. yeah, it, I, I do agree with you. Uh, I think like Goblin Bombardment's pretty good. Grave Pact is a restrictive mana cost, but it's pretty good. Hatching Plans is uncommon, but it is actually common. It's very good. good. Yeah, I think it, Mythic Defense of the Heart and Bitter Blossom are pretty good. I've Bitter Blossom broken. We're just not going to talk about that. Yeah, I I had a good experience with Defense of the Heart. I do think that a lot of people don't understand how good it is and also put it into the wrong deck sometimes. You can't really put it into a deck that has no expensive creatures. But... Yeah, let's just say, like, Hamlet Giant is one of the best green commons. What's the wrong sure. deck for it? Well, I don't know. Like, I, when we had this discussion, I actually briefly went and looked at the numbers for Defense of the Heart. It has really, it has, like, a weirdly bad win rate. And I think that's just because people misuse it more than anything else. Totally fair. Okay. Uh, we are condensing this one from last time to make it a little easier to judge. <laughs> Which is among the top four 17 lands archetypes, which one will have the most draft trophies, again, from the available data? So sure. we have all the John color pairs or Boros. Uh, I'm picking red-black myself. I'm going to take Gruul. I just like taking sure. the, like, non-ob... Like, let's rephrase. Sure. I, I like taking the deck that is less likely to be actively contested at each table because I think that gives you uh, a better average record. But again, this may be a, like, fail case of just, like, this is thinking about your individual record drafting that color versus just like the net of red black players across the tournament. So I think it's kind of interesting. I think most people who have drafted a lot agree red is the best color. So I'm kind of surprised that Golgari snuck in. If that, if is that ranking sorted? Like, is that the actual win rate from 17 lands filtered for premier draft? Um, let me double check, but those were the four decks that I think were in the same ballpark at the top, uh, deck color. So it is, uh, Rakdos is 57%, Gruul is 56 and a half, Golgari is actually the highest win rate at 58 and Boros is 57 and a half. So it's actually Golgari, Boros, Rakdos, Gruul is the top four in that order. So then a a pretty big drop down to the next ones. Sure. Uh, yeah, I think that's kind of interesting. I kind of have a soft spot for all of the red decks essentially so i think red is just really really strong all of the commons work well together you can play a small game you can play a big game so it can kind of just do it all in the red deck by itself so that that's why i picked red black Uh, like also i think just red black is easier to understand how to draft golgari i think there's like a little bit of finessing going on there because like you're trying to be like a big a big deck, a big game deck to use a Sam Black ism. Um, you want you kind of want the game to go long, whereas like I think red black, you can be you can go small, you can go big, you can go medium, and your deck will just be pretty good no matter what I think. Uh yes, I think that like the problem with red black is that they're like you can do that, but I think there's a little bit more of like cross synergy that tends to fall away when contested. Like specifically, I'm thinking of like, oh, what is like what are the cards that add up to more than their parts in red black? And it's like, okay, well, Totenaz and like that. Like, sure, a lot of like the cards are things that I feel like are when contested, your archetype quality goes downhill. Whereas like again with Gruul, like when you shift around, it's like I don't know, I just got like some red cards in the freaking big creature that I sack my random roll to, and I have a six six <laughs> life gain creature. Yeah, fair enough. I've drafted a lot of like 3.5 color Gruel decks as well, which is kind of funny. Brave the Wilds and Prophetic Prism and Evolving Wilds make it real easy to splash. 
Yeah, that may be a problem with picking gruel is that a lot of those may get absorbed into the, the well, XC. That, yeah, I mean, like, it, it is what it is. Like, we could put down, like, three color deck, but, like, I think those decks are generally going to be... Hmm, what's the best way of putting it? I think it is going to be pretty clear when it was correct for someone to do that, and it's going to be pretty clear when it was not correct. But I suspect that more often than not, the powerful cards won't float late for it to be correct to do that. That, yeah, I mean, that's a general Pro Tour thing. Is like, you get these yeah. decks on Arena where it's like, I can splash all these things. And it's like, no, the people at the Pro Tour know that they're, like, supposed to first pick the Otter and, like, just splash one half of it. Yeah. Right. But, like, yeah. Th th that was tragic. In the Rectus draft from the RCQ last weekend, I first picked Otter, and I was forced out of green immediately, so I couldn't even play it, which was a little bit tragic. Yeah, yeah. I think we might be talking about different Otters. I'm talking about the blue slash green otter. Yeah, I'm talking about the blue slash red one where it's the oh, good sure. windrake versus the like really actually fairly Lavender. solid for the format removal spell. Yeah, like yeah. I, I like that card a lot. I agree. Um, yeah. Okay, back to a question you raised. Will a blue white deck trophy? <laughs> I think yes. I think that there are a lot of ways to put raw card power with raw card, card power and make it happen. But I, I think that the theme just doesn't work. Okay, so let's. How many draft pods will there be? Is the actual answer question right? Uh, thirty six. But that's on day one. How many will there be on day two? Char, you're say you think that like if they give us the numbers for all of these, that one out of forty decks that three O's will not be blue white. All right, I I guess I have to take yes, even though I think it. <laughs> just from a mathematical standpoint, yes is probably correct. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think the number is higher than 2%. Sure. Yeah, okay. Now we now we get to the single best section of this entire discussion, which okay. is the bets over who is going to be winning. Um, Where do you want to start with that? Uh, I mean, let's just go in order. Like, highest finishing returning world champ sounds kind of like an interesting one. Oh, okay. Kai, Kai doesn't want... Oh, I guess he's not feeling well. Uh, yeah, Kai, Kai's got some medical stuff that he said he has to, you know, take care okay. of, like, time-sensitive and, you know, wish him the sure. best. But sometimes you got to miss Worlds and there's not a lot you can do. But um, the other four returning world champions, we have Seth Manfield, uh, world champion with Obs on midrange. Uh, Javier <laughs> Dominguez, world champion with, was this the... the it was Mono Red. Here? No, this oh, yeah, was... Oh, yeah, Red Racked, the, the Chain Whirler, right? Uh... Or was that the year it before? Was, I think it was Mono Red versus Huey, right? Uh, no, he lost to Huey and then oh. defeated uh, Greyers the next year. It might have been Chain Whirler Red by that point then, yeah. Yeah, it was Chain Whirler Red because the Huey one was right after Ixalan dropped and it was Teamer versus like Blue Black. Yeah, a lot of people played the search for his Kanta Demir uh, control deck. Yep, yep. And then we have Yuta, uh, world champion with Goldspan Dragon. Mm, and nice. then Nathan, the reigning world champion with Fable of the Mirror Breaker. That's funny because Worlds last year, people were, it was like Esper versus Grixis. And it, it was somehow revolutionary to play Grixis that one. It was very weird. Um, anyways, I'm taking Javier personally. Yeah, he is playing some of the best magic that he has ever played, which really says a lot for someone who is like i don't know like even back to like the mid 2010s just like oh yeah back-to-back -back ninth place finishes at pro tours what the heck who what what 
like I don't I don't think like these are like the four hundred person pro tours like back to back like mm-hmm. ninth or tenth finishes is so absurd and like I don't know I think he's in a really good spot here to to do really well um, I think that if you asked a lot of people this question they would slam Nathan but I I'm just choosing Javier no so I think there's a temptation to choose Nathan but one thing that still is I think there's an experience gap. Uh, which hasn't really been reconciled yet. Uh, of course, you can like Nathan has played a lot of the high level tournaments, but Javier's still just played more of them. There's, I think, experience gap is worth something, in my opinion. I think that's overstated, but I, I, you know, you you got to go with momentum here, Jarvis. Someone has the momentum, and someone doesn't, and that someone who doesn't is the player who is like top eight to the last pro tour, and not the one two pro tours before that. <laughs> If that's the context we're using, right, it's kind of insane that we're even having this conversation, right? Like, they're both on a heater, sort of. Yeah, but one of their heaters is, like, continuing, and sure, the other right, one's right. cooling. So you pick the person on the heater, Jarvis. It's just really straightforward. You know, this is how it always works. <laughs> okay, okay. Okay, so we, uh, world champions category done. Okay, so we've now got a uh, highest finishing Hall of Fame player. Um, I believe I have captured all the Hall of Famers that are attending, but I could have missed one scanning through. So got, I will double check as well. well yeah, I'm... double check. But the, the five that I I saw were Shota, Reed, Nasif, Seth, and Willie Edel. Uh, um, that looks right to me. Of course, like, it's kind of hard to, like, double check based on how this invitation list is, because like they used to note when someone was a Hall of Famer, even on these invite lists. Um, Jarvis, you don't just know who's in the Hall of Fame? If I, if I asked you, is Scott Johns in the Hall of Fame, could you tell me yes or no? Yeah, I would immediately tell you the answer is no. Okay. Well, what if I just made, well, God, this conversation is bad with you. I think it's is a reality. Um, I'm also yeah, yeah, this, this is a really you, like when you're just like, do you know this fact? And you're just like, okay, well, okay, maybe you're like not asking like the Luis tier of like Magic Recall, but like, yeah. I don't know. I think I could go one for one on a lot of stuff. Sure. Anyways, uh, my pick for that is also Yellow Hat. I think he's playing weirdly some of the best Magic of his life. He's playing a lot of it. I think that's the key point. There were times in Gab's life where he would show up to PTs not practiced whatsoever. But now he like he plays so much magic, he listens to people in the Twitch chat, he learns things. I think he's he's in really good shape, magic shape right now. Yeah, I I also have Yellow Hat as my pick here. Uh like all the memes aside about his long history of slow play, I think a lot of that is just like over the last five years, extremely cleared up and he like took a pretty good run at the start that there was a lot of questions about. It's like, oh, was this a heater or not? Like, he's obviously good, but is he overperforming? And, like, just pushed it as hard as possible and is now back to, like, his peak back when it was, like, oh, who are the best players of all time? And he was, like, always very clearly number three or four. And I think Mm -hmm. he's pushing back to how good he was or better than he in that discussion. Yeah, I think that's true. I think he was doing really well in the last PT as well, the modern PT with the living end. I, I think that yeah. he was weirdly great was like for him. Top 16 or 32. It, yeah, it was I, I mean, weirdly good for him, except for Scam, which was kind of funny to think about. It was like, except maybe for, he was one level ahead. Except for Scam, 
and his opponents who cascaded into Dranith Magistrate. Ah, uh, yeah, that was very funny. I mean, I I guess they took the nuclear option to win that matchup, which worked for them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes you got to go to the extreme and uh, it pays off. Definitely agree with you. Okay. Uh, we now have... I'm going to skip ahead to the from the complicated one. We'll put that one lined up last, uh, mm-hmm. which is... Um, Highest finishing player who made it the finals of a pro tour this year. So that's Reed, Benton, Jake, Calc, Nathan, and Kane. Okay. Um, so I think probably the answer is still Reed. Like he's working with really good team. I mean, I guess it's debatable if their team or handshake teams are. I guess the handshake team's probably better, so it's kind of close in that regard. But I'm still going to pick my buddy Reed. Okay, my head says Nathan and my heart says Kane, so I am putting down okay. Nathan, but uh, I'm counting it as a moral victory, but not an actual victory. If the answer is Kane, and I I think for these like highest finish, like where we have a difference, it's whichever one of our two fighters finishes higher. Yeah, I definitely agree. With you. Very clear. Although, okay. like, it, hold on. If they both make top eight and they both lose to quarters, is it a tie or are we, are we counting tiebreak? That's a tie. We're not, there's no. Okay. In, okay. In I just wanted to clear that up because. No, sorry, Jarvis. I, if there was a two match differential in the Swiss, I'm willing to say someone won. But if it's like someone went 10 3 1 and the other went 11 3, I'm not arguing. Like, whatever. Okay, sure. But if someone was like, you know, XO like 10 owed removed from the Swiss and the other person like 10 3 one in, then like there's a clear winner. Sure, I, I agree with that because they're I mean, like, they didn't get to play anymore. They could have won more. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh highest finish by a regional uh, an RC champ. So I I wanna oh, add no. a clarification here up front. Um, do we want to include people who their only source of invite is RC champ only, or do we want to include people who have RC champ overridden by something else? I think I just want to include the people who have RC champ listed because I don't want to figure out who else won an RC. I agree with you. I'm also trying to figure out which RC champ had another invite. Were there any? Um, I guess there were a few. Maybe. Well, I don't want to figure it out. That's why I'm saying. Sure. Yeah, it, it's too complicated. Um, yeah, it's just way too complicated. <laughs> it's actually not that complicated because... Uh, well... I think if you Nathan tried did. to track down some, some of the Asian ones. Oh, no, well, I see. Nathan didn't, Nathan didn't win an RC, right? So no one from the right. top four of Worlds last year won an RC. I don't think anyone from the Arena Champs qualifiers won an RC. And I don't know if the people who top aided the Pro Tours won RCs. And that, that would be like the only category I think you'd have to sort out. It's less complicated than it sounds, but I'm just not going to do it. Sure. Okay, cool. I'm glad we're in agreement. So the answer is top eight, top sixteen, or top thirty-two. Uh, this is a complicated. I'm gonna say top eight, but I think it's it's kind of close. I think there's just a few people in there that are good enough that I like. Basically, you know, Thoroff is in there. You know, Ray Saito is or Ray Sato. Um, there's a few people who I think who have enough experience are good enough that. I'm willing to take top eight. Yeah, I'm I'm slamming top eight as well. Um, just the, it's uh, 
I think that the, the math wins out. This is like half of the field. <laughs> like, you, it's like, do you think yeah. that this half of the field who has already proven themselves by winning a Grand Prix level or higher tournament uh, is not going to top eight? I think that betting against that is uh, kind of kind of aggressive. Uh, I, I mean, I don't really, I don't know. I, it's like, it's not as condensed of a field as you would think. It's just, I, I think that in these large tournaments, that's just like saying, will a PTQ winner, uh, top eight the pro tour? Yes. They're just like someone who won a PTQ to get there is going to every time because there's so many of them. So, uh, good question, Mitchell Sox. And unfortunately this time, uh, I am the math and Jarvis is the vibes. <laughs> Oh man, I'm I'm briefly scrolling through the invite list. You know how many times Nathan was invited to Worlds? A billion, right? Oh, actually, it, we know that no one who had match points because they would have stacked them in the invite list because Nathan. Oh, has this... sure, sure. Is Nathan the uh, only person who earned multiple invites? No, Carl Sarop as well, which is not surprising. Which was top four, and oh, I guess yeah. Javier and Simon also doubled up too. Just because of uh, uh, match, yeah. So actually, yeah, not many people doubled up, which is, I guess, not that surprising. But it's one four, of right? So, yeah. Nathan, it, oh gosh, Nathan, what the heck? So he yes. has four invites to Worlds, Worlds yeah. top four, two PT top eights, and an MOCS showcase. He he won one of the MOCSs very cleanly, I think. That was the Grixis Death Shadow one, I think. It might have been a, a different one. I think he's won multiple, so I can't even remember it's which one it was. Three, right? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it's insane. He won back-to-back and then another. Like, yeah, it's absurd. Okay. Um, on to a, a topic related to Nathan. Will a player make top eight of this event who top four worlds last year? So and those four players are Nathan Stoyer, Eli Cassis, uh, Jacob Toth, and Carl Sarop. And this is back-to-back worlds Elin rounds for somebody. Wait, so... Wait, did worlds cut to top four last year? I believe so. That's very weird. So it was a 32-player oh, event. Oh, I, I see. Okay, no, no, no. I, I see what you're saying now. Cutting to top eight with 32 people is kind of baffling. Um... I guess I'll say yes. I think it's close, though. I'm going to say no just on numbers, but I, I agree that it's close. But I think it's like a 40-60 kind of thing. It's There's sure. 100 players in this tournament. They're all good. Like, you're just like, I'm going to choose four of them and say one of them's going to top eight. It's like, okay, you think they're three times the average to top eight? I don't think so. Yeah, it's... I, I guess, again, you're taking the math and I'm taking the vibes. Yeah, Jarvis corresponded. Jarvis is shockingly not the math. Um... Okay, we're going to close out with our two our two real, real hard questions. Okay, so we're going to do a, a mini draft of drafters. Uh, so we're each going to choose three players and most total draft trophies among the people win. So one second, I'm going to random.org a number and we're going to, you know, back, you know, uh, round robin or what's it called? Uh, wheel, Snake draft. Wheel draft? Snake, Snake draft. draft. There we yeah. go. Okay, Jarvis, odd or even? Odd. And this is for first pick. You said? Odd. Okay, you have your choice of first pick or wheel. Huh. I should think about this now. I don't think it really matters that much. I guess I'll take... You know what? I'll take wheel because I want to see what you're going to pick. Okay, I'm taking Marzio. Oh, interesting. I guess that would make sense for you to pick. <laughs> you um, threw away the first pick! I did. In fact, like I guess you got your outcome that you wanted no matter what. 
Um, yeah. yeah, there's just so many good people. Um, you know I made what? a list of seven, so there's no chance you take all the people I selected. I'm going to take Reed, because I think Reed's <laughs> been on a heater in Limited recently. And also, I'm going to take... Oh, man, the, the other... You know what? Um, I'll take Hane. Okay. Hane would have been in my next two. Um, sure. I'm going to take Nathan and Seth. <laughs> wow. Back to you for your last pick. Yeah. Um, let's see. Who do I think out of these remaining people is most likely to get at least one draft trophy? Uh, there's so many people I don't know, so I don't want to pick any of them. But then there's a lot of people well, I, I do know. So there's just... there's sort of a next level of this, right? There's a day two cut, correct? And like you sure. need to pick yeah, someone exactly. who, even if they like two one one two the day one draft can carry and then three oh day two. Which Reed is a really strong contender on that, where like you just know regardless yeah. of his day one draft record, he's gonna put himself in a good position to do that. So I have a question. Is there a cut for day two in this event? I didn't I, I thought there have... was. Um, I couldn't find that I couldn't actually figure it out looking at their web page. What's the answer? Uh, I looked around it, and I was like, it, wins for top eight advance, by the way, not, not 10, which makes a lot more sense. Right. 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 Um, you know what? Um, I'm going to just, I'm, I'm going to pick a pal. I'm going to pick Stefan shoots. Yeah. I don't actually know if there's a day two cut. It, I can't actually tell. Maybe they'll tell people they don't get to play. Maybe they won't. Uh, <laughs> For what it's worth, my my last pick also would have been a, a heart pick, all buys. I would it would have been Andre or Greg Orange, and I don't know which. There's some amount of like I trust Greg Orange to like just put up a solid result and just like a solid person to pick, and some amount of like well, Andre's probably retiring if he doesn't six out this limited format. So yeah, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, and I then, kind of forgot that Andre was qualified, like he because he claims to be retired so many times. Listen, sometimes you just look at the list of people who's qualified and you see Andre and you're just like, okay, that's fine. Uh, okay, final one with a great fix suggested by uh, Tim Grunich. Uh, you know, always someone who I think many times I have heard uh, just like great, you know, sage inputs from across many magic things throughout the years. Like longtime player with pretty, you know, low-key history throughout like the grinder class but yeah glad to hear and glad you could fix this question which is last time we had this discussion of which canadian will have the highest finish and i was legally obligated by cod you know podcast uh obligations to choose dom and you chose kane and you lost so we now have a new version of this bet which releases me from any of my obligations because it puts it entirely on you which is i set the line and the line is will dom finish ahead of hane again and you choose yes or no, and I automatically get the other side. Fair enough. Uh, I will still pick no because I still believe the same thing as last time. And it was, I, I, I just still want to say how hilarious the story was for this question last time, where it's literally Hane, Hane and the opponent letting Dom into the top eight to decide Harvest, this, this question. The, the universe, the universe is telling you <laughs> that you are wrong for not having heart here. And that it will deliver victory to me here. I'm just I, putting that out there. 
I don't believe so. I think that was like a once in a lifetime, like lightning struck sort of. Yeah, deal. the universe made it happen, and you were wrong. It's really straightforward. All right, all right. Okay. Um, with that, that wraps up our you know bet segment. Uh, any closing thoughts on worlds, or are we just gonna sit back and watch this weekend and uh, see who wins? Yeah, I won't be watching a lot of it myself because I'll be playing the events, but I will. I will probably go back and watch some of it, like when I get home, just to see what the standard decks looked like. Um, I guess the bet that we never resolved was: Will this event finally make people care about standard? But I think we might yeah. just say no. I think the problem is, like this is an aside, is there's no reason for people to watch this and take the lessons from it because there's nothing for them to play it in. Like what the current yeah. RCQ season is, you can play modern. Or you can play limited. And I'll give you a hint. Most of the stores do not run limited. It's like 95% modern or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Modern's great. Play more modern. Watch standard. Not at the cards that they pass by. <laughs> and then I guess fire up a Pioneer League and play modern green. <laughs> That's what Dom would want anyways. Um, yeah. Moving on to modern results to talk about the far better format. Um this week was actually a really interesting one for the format because it feels like there's been a fairly significant shift from before, which is four color has kind of gone from not very good after the pro tour to back to being kind of exciting. And I think that uh, there's a couple of developments, obviously beans. Everyone loves beans. Sure. There's not a lot to say mm -hmm. about that. Um, but uh, people have picked up on integrating bring to light into this deck more um, and just like I think a piece of that is that it's very powerful with beans, but like also um, one specific interaction, which was sort of highlighted in the modern super league this week, but has like taken on uh, other forms on magic online is yeah. Going heavier into bring to light and then using that with time warp where like, if you have up the beanstalk and you bring to light for time warp, you just like have this absurd turn and have drawn 8,000 cards. And then you also get all the benefits of what bring to light adds to your deck, which is like, Okay, so you have this five drop over the top threat in Valky. Um, you have a lot of flexibility in finding like all your other random stuff that matters in a matchup. Your cyborg gets a little extended in a couple ways. Um, just like, yeah, like two to three bring to lights, just really extending a, a powerful tutor toolbox in the deck in ways that the deck didn't previously have access to. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I actually played a little bit with, like unironically, I played 70 card bring to light yesterday for a little bit. Uh, it was very good. And I agree with the time warp thing. I will say that I think the version that we saw last week that Reed played was just, you know, time warps, not bring delay. But, you know, I think a lot of the same principles still apply there. Yeah, I mean, it's really the first time warp that makes the biggest difference. If sure. you, like, if, you know, you effectively have three copies of it, but like it doesn't matter if you literally have multiples, especially because a lot of the time the thing that time warp is accomplishing is either that big swing turn with Beanstalk or it's pushing your Ren forward. And as soon as you ultimate, you win the game. Yep. I agree with you. Also, um, Omnath into time warp is still really messed up. If you have like Teferi out, like just turn three Teferi, do something else in turn four and then turn five Omnath fetch time warp basically ends the game every time. Yeah. I do want to say you mentioned 70 cards. Uh, the originator of the 75 card list, uh, Danzen is up to 80 now. Um, there's like, Nahiri Emrakul in the main deck and like multiple time warps and ephemerates like it, it's just completely off the nonsense train but a challenge uh top eight for them nonetheless yeah I agree with you 
I don't know if I really believe in Hiri Emrakul. Like, what we're talking about Emrakul 15 that dies to like basically everything in the format still, right? Yeah, the 13 is in the sideboard, but that's what your four Teferis are for. And you're, yeah. mm, you can't ephemerate right now. So that's, mm, that's a little dicey. I don't know. It it sounds a little bit suspect to me to play literal. I like Nahiri is one of my favorite cards, but I not not about that. I am about scapeshift though. I think playing one scapeshift is also kind of nice. Yeah. Are you into the uh, Melton updated list with no Renin sixes and scapeshifts? Well, my opinion is I will play Renin six until they ban it. <laughs> For me, is is basically how I view it. Ren is just so insane in these decks. It's really good, as long as you yeah. just, like, build your deck to not flood out. That That is the issue. Uh, that's why I played a lot of Fables when I played 4C, generally speaking. And in the Scapeshift slash Dried version, like, it's kind of hard to flood out and not draw any of your four Valakids and not draw Bring Delight or whatever, you know? Yeah, I think that actually Melton playing 60 cards was kind of a mistake. I was joking about this on the Discord, but I'm 100% serious. I think you're supposed to J-Way it because Melton's list was sure. only on like nine mountains, which felt a little slim because you're just not going to have dry in some games. So I actually would just want to like add like three lands and four rends to the deck and have all the lands be mountains or something. Yeah, that sounds... What if I told you my 74 card uh, shift 4C deck had... Scapeshift and four Rens and everything else, but only one Valky and four Bring Delight. Or three Bring Delight, rather. Okay, sure. Yeah, I Makes mean, three people can just do whatever, I think, and it mostly works. Doesn't, yeah. Yeah, as long as you got the beans and the rings, it's all fine. Um, this 4C Resurgence has kind of killed off, is it? Just because, like, the innovation of playing a billion cards means that they have all the one mana interaction for Raghavan and all the halflings and play long games better. So like that's kind of dicey. Still a lot of scam, but like, is it's kind of yeah, not doing the best. Um, and I think the one other deck that's mm-hmm. having some success this weekend that I want to highlight um, is the, the resurgence of mono white Heliod. So this was a deck that a few years ago, I think it was between the modern horizons. Sam party really championed this deck. Yep. I remember previously it, it was like, mono white with magus of the moon and it's like a walking ballista heliod deck featuring ranger captain of eos and it's basically the same deck back again but instead of magus we're agatha soul cauldroning uh this was an aspiring spike brew that uh a lot of other people have picked up and played to success but the trick here is that with agatha's soul cauldron to give um your creatures the walking ballista ability you actually have some pretty broken things going on uh so you can actually first off you can turn any of your creatures into a ranger captain which is pretty great but you can evoke solitude <laughs> put a counter on it, and then kill your opponent with the evoke trigger on the stack. I see, you because it has built-in lifelink. Yeah, yeah. So wow, it gets sick, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that is a really, really awesome. Especially because the other thing is, like, Walking Ballista just goes to your graveyard for Cauldron for free. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I haven't seen anyone cast a Ballista or Hanger Back for Zero since, like, the Vengevine days. The Bridgevine days. It's been It's been a while for that one. Yeah, but this deck's it's got a lot of play on every single direction. Big fan of it. Um, So I think we have formally descended into uh, nonsense of the week, and I would uh, I would like to ask you something. And if you think this deck is a bandwagon or a moto bug, 
And that is Fur MTG, a, a well-known Rakdos scam player who actually top aided a challenge this last weekend, uh, hopping on in the leagues, the the Bean Train, and going up to se- sixty-seven card scam. And it looks like I can't tell if Magic Online accidentally pre-boarded like seven cards, or if uh, like the thing just got weird and put cards in the main deck. Like what happened? My guess is it was not MTGO and that the person like just accidentally misbuilt their deck, but and then five kind of anyways. Yeah. Because like, I mean, like I think the biggest downside to this for scam is you're just so less likely to have the right number of lands you need because like 20 is already a little bit dicey at times and 20 out of 67 is a lot more dicey is how I would put it. Yeah, yeah, you're not fixing your way there with beans and wrens. Uh, so I assume that this was a stroke of luck. Um, yeah, and yeah. I, it may be a, it's somewhere between a bug and a bandwagon. But I do have a one update in the the bean nonsense realm, and that's bean flayer. Um, I oh, saw yeah. so Dak Fade in 07 is someone who's definitely I think that they've made nonsense the week before. I'm trying to remember with what, um, but I saw them tweet about this, and I'm glad to finally see it in the deck dump. Which is uh, their take on Soul Flayer, but with beans. Okay, I'm looking at some of these cards I've never seen before. I haven't seen this Samet ever. So this, this oh, it's one from Aftermath, I see. Yeah, so this one actually top-aided top, top aided a Pioneer Challenge last weekend in like a, a variant of the like Gruul Command Bushwhacker deck. But mm-hmm. it's just the, the Haste-themed deck Samet. But it also has First Strike and Vigilance, which is pretty good start for soul flayer mm-hmm. um but yeah this is just like a territorial kavu zoo deck that just like accidentally features mantis rider and questing beasts and furies for your soul flayers but also soul flayer draws a card off beanstalk so you know you're really doing it yeah i'm looking at this deck i'm not sure drawing a card <laughs> I just, off beanstalk is what i just want to i just want to put out there that your your like reaction to this deck is i'm looking at it which, I am looking at it. I'm trying to figure out what's going on. I kind of wonder well, if you see, can actually... Cut draws a card off Beanstalk. Yeah, but remember when we complained about Domain Zoo not being able to cast any of its spells? This is the exact same problem. Almost. But it doesn't have one drop, so you can fetch Triumphs more aggressively to cast your yeah, Well, you still need to draw, like, two lands, and I don't know, like... Yeah, the, the Soul Flare being double black in your deck with zero other black cards... It kind of breaks me, yeah. But anyways, uh, Bean Flayer 5-0 to League, so deal with it, Jarvis. Uh, I mean, I also 5-0'd with Teamer Prowess yesterday. That The deck is kind of nice. T- talk about that real fast. Okay, so I was scrolling through the Modern Preliminaries, and there was a person called, I think it was Jake PMS, and they played Teamer Prowess to a 4-0 in a Prelim. So basically, imagine is it Prowess, but you have four Questing Druid in your deck. And that's how the deck is built. I didn't really agree oh, with all, okay. all, all of the choices that the deck made. Like, it had these random light up the stages, and I'm just, I don't believe in that card, so I didn't play them. But the rest of the deck I kept intact. I added a 17th land and a one of Breach. Um, Questing Druid is really, really good in that deck. Like, you, you kind of need both halves for a deck like this. You Sometimes you need the creature. Oftentimes you just need the Reckless Impulse at inst- instant speed. And, you know, sometimes you can just leave up your mana versus, like, hammer. They don't do anything. Then you cast the Reckless Impulse, and it's kind of nice, you know? I saw a variant of this that instead of blue was playing more green with Adventurous Impulse, but it, 
it kind of is antithetical to what Questinger is trying to do, I think. I have not Adventurous here. Impulse. What's the card name? Uh, shoot. Yeah, uh, Abundant Harvest is the card Abundant here. Abundant Harvest. There we go. Not the played, one that finds a So it's funny you brought that up. I played a literal um, mirror versus, or I played against that Gruel Prowess deck, and it seemed much worse than the Teamer deck to me because I think Prior because a, expressive iterations a broken card. Well, also Prior is a broken card. Yeah, so we just have all of the broken cards and. Um, I did have a turn two kill, not casting any cantrips. You know, it was just prowess creature, prowess creature, dart, double mutagenic growth. You're dead. And, okay, uh, that's pretty you know, good. That's prowess. That that's how it is. Okay. Uh, with that, any any uh anything you want to shout out before we head on out of here? Um, if if any of y'all are in Las Vegas, feel free to say hi. Um. Oh, I do have one funny story. Someone at the RCQ said when I played against them, they're like, "Oh, you're that person who's occasionally on Ari's podcast," and you you had a good chuckle at that, Ari. I did. I did. I uh, I I think you phrased it slightly differently. I did. I don't remember the exact phrasing, but you know, really, the gist of it is the same. Was it, it's a, you know, you you mentioned that like the podcast came up in discussion, and they were like, "We're, I, you know, I'm a fan of it." And then around later, they're like, oh, yeah, you're on that sometimes, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, <laughs> well, that's now you're sometimes exact. on it more. But, yeah. yes. Um, yeah. So best of luck in Vegas, Jarvis. Uh, I'll let you plug all your wonderful Twitch and Twitter, or if that's still on by the time this is published, as we say every week, all the various social media platforms. Yeah. Um, you can find me on Twitch at JarvisU. Uh, I guess Twitter.com, JKYU06. You can find me basically those are the best places to find me and there's some you know a, a you know adjacent things to that yeah um so again you know thanks for being on thanks for uh indulging in the bets uh thanks for letting <laughs> me declare myself the winner regardless of who won next week because you aren't around to disagree i uh, know there will be a fair winner on all these um you can find the podcast here with dom next week to talk about how well or not well worlds went um, you can find me and Dom on Twitter. I'm at ARMLX. He's at Dom and Harvia. Uh, we write, uh, I'm on channel fireball. He's on SCG. Uh, the podcast is on Twitter at Dominari underscore pod. You can also find the podcast on Patreon, um, patreon.com slash Dominari's judgment. Uh, we also have a discord. You can find that in the pinned link on our Twitter. Uh, you know, again, Dominari pod, and link um do want to thank uh new patron davis for you know signing up glad to make the podcast every week glad that people want to see us keep making it so good all around and we'll be back next week like i said with an actual plan this time uh talking about worlds um but maybe trying to leave the talk a standard as fast as possible so i i can't promise exactly how much of worlds <laughs> we're talking about uh if dom makes an unfortunate like 06 exit we might just be done as fast as possible and talk about i don't know who knows what in modern but Hopefully, we are here talking a lot about some standard deck that Dom played and uh, some crazy stories from that and uh, maybe a less heartbreaking ninth into eighth finish uh, than last time.